Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. This is Colosso Supremo. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dewey and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Back again, another edition of Golasso Supremo. Golasso! Asso, asso, asso! Dibs, it's episode five. And you know, what they, you know what they always say? Anybody could do four podcasts, but when you get to five, it's for reals. Yeah, we're officially a fixture now in the podcast sphere, <laughs> so to speak. Watch we... out, Mark Marin. Yeah? Mark Marin? What? He has the number one comedy podcast. Oh! Now. I must have missed that one. Okay, must sorry. Must have gone right past I was trying me. to think off the, off the cuff of a good podcast reference. What would be yours? Who has a famous podcast? Probably Adam Carolla. Okay. Uh, or, uh, uh-huh. you know, I don't I don't catch a lot of podcasts. Yeah. To be honest, uh, maybe we'll have to do a take two on this do whole open. <laughs> let's, let's start over. No, no, we vowed never to start over. Oh, that's over, right. We, we, we vowed, vowed to By the do way, Adam lot. Carolla, I had him on my show years ago, and we're the exact same age. We're both from California, and all we did was basically have just a bro love fest because we agreed with everything the other guy was saying. That's always good. So good guest if you ever get him. Try to, I'll try to book him for my next podcast. Let's do it. Uh, Golasso Supremo, it is episode five, and we are getting ramped up because coming up here, before we talk again, will be Champions League knockout stage match day number one. Rick, how excited are you? I'm very, very excited because my team is involved, and they haven't been in my life just uh, a couple of times. And so, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and we'll, we'll break it down as we go, but to answer you, I'm very excited. Dan. And uh, it's Tottenham going up against Borussia Dortmund. And that's just one of four matchups as we, we get underway. What do you think of the format for the round of 16 with the home-and-home, home, with the two-legged action? Is that appropriate at all stages, or does it just work best here for the first two rounds? Well, you know, you know, they do it in what they used to call the mini-league when you get your six games. And that's just a way to make sure that everybody makes their money so you're not knocked out by Trondheim like Blackburn was when Ouch. they won the Premier League. Yeah, Old Trondheim. Uh, I should say Premier League. But it's, uh, yeah, it's fine. I think you should, uh, everybody should get. And let me just ask you this, just as a sports fan, as an aside, I've never understood the term home and home. I mean, I know what it means. We play at your place, you play at mine. But why isn't it home and away? We're going to play at home and then we're going to play away. It's like we're changing cases. It's like, who's coming with us to the game? Dad and dad. And you're like, no, no, that's my dad. I don't know. It just seems weird, home and home, don't you think? It doesn't really strike me as weird, home and home, just because we get to play at home and then you get to play at home. And ultimately, every match contains one team that's away, unless it's a neutral. So if it's home and away, you're talking about we're home and then you're away, and then you're home and then we're away. I get it. But it's like if you have two home games in a row, I'd say we're home and home. That would be if I had two home games in a row. That's all right, but if you're the guy talking, you know what? Let's move on to soccer. Home and home, <laughs> it's the format for the knockout stages. 
Well, what do you think at that point? Is it appropriate? Yeah. Would you rather have single elimination no, with the higher seeded team getting the home game? No, it's to me. I think it's not fair. Soccer, your home field advantage can be so tremendous, and you go in there and the curve is sued and, or a cop, and you've got ultras. And uh, no, it's it's too hard. You you deserve to have. Um, now, of course, the finals in a neutral venue. It'll be in Madrid this year, I believe. Um, but yeah, I think that's appropriate, Dan. You got the twelfth <laughs> is when the action begins. Uh, up first, you've got two games, and of course, Tottenham playing the next day. Roma and Porto. Any feeling on this one other than the winner will most likely be victimized in the next round anyway? Yeah, well, you know, you think about uh, uh, Roma, this is everything for them. Porto, it still takes me back to when Jose Mourinho came out of nowhere to win the Champions League with uh, with Porto, which is a great, great soccer club. Uh, it's not the Benfica. Benfica is the Yankees of Portugal, obviously, but... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think either of those teams is going to make its way to the final. The other one, Manchester United going up against PSG, and this one on paper looks to be an unbelievable tilt between two powers in their own league. But when you look deeper, you see a Manchester United team that has looked very promising, but a PSG team in turmoil with the Neymar injury and other problems. I think it's amazing that these teams have never played each other before. Um, and so we're finally going to get that. And people will say, oh, it's, you know, Solskjaer's first game in the Champions League. Well, first game in the knockout stages. People, right. people might know that he was the head coach at Molda. Um, of course, he was part of that great Molda team. He scored 31 goals in 1996, and uh, that's when Alex Ferguson brought him to Old Trafford. So he's he's been in the Champions League, not at this uh, stage. But um, I, I still think that uh, Paris Saint-Germain finds their way past Man United in this two-leg fixture. Is it too much experience, or would you say too much overall quality? Because I like what Manchester United's done, instilling Rashford more frequently, and with uh, Lingard, he's been so dangerous, Anthony Martial, that the mm. young trio up top, and then you've got Lukaku if you need him late. They seem to be so much more dangerous since the manager switch. They've they, the honeymoon is still going on, and that's why people. I mean, Wayne Rooney piping in today saying, "Oh, I love Gunner, but I want Pochettino to be the manager of Man United." I'm like, "Hey, Wayne, why don't you yeah, shut keep up? your hands off my man?" You know, <laughs> it's like the Yankees. Yeah, we'll take Eric Chavez. I mean, it's just like you know, that's the way they kind of feel. Um, but I just think it's um, it's a pedigree thing. Now, the only thing is, outside of talent, is that you can never count out the English side. It's that mustn't grumble bulldog spirit. Like we saw in Istanbul, three nothing at halftime. Milan over Liverpool, and Milan loses. Oh, it's a heartbreak! One of the greatest games I've ever seen, where I didn't have a dog in the fight. We'll get into Liverpool and Man City in the in the race for the Premier League title coming up. But first, as we trick our way through the Champions League day two, you've got the big one: Tottenham. Hosting Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund. Give me a scouting report on on Dortmund because we know about Tottenham. Harry Kane still not fit to be back. Deli Alley still out, but Yunmin Son, since he's returned, has kind of picked up where he left off. And Tottenham still dangerous. They haven't fallen off and fallen out of the Premier League race, even though they've had these issues. What do you make of Dortmund, particularly in this first leg in a game? I guess that will be played at Wembley. Well, Tottenham have never won a home game in the Champions League knockout stages. So they said they're still new to this competition just a few times lately. Would this uh, count, by the way, if they won at Wembley as yeah, a, quote, home victory, even though their their, their uh, ground is still yet to be constructed? It's their home stadium for two years. So, yeah, it's a, it's a home game in front of their home fans. It's in it's in London, not North London. It's in Northwest London, mostly West London. I'll take your word for uh, it. But <laughs> I left my compass at home. <laughs> 
But the thing is, uh, to me, uh, I mean, these two teams didn't really have a history until two years ago. And you think about uh, two years ago, uh, Dortmund being the team that knocked Tottenham out of the Europa League. In fact, uh, Sonny from the Bundesliga before, he was the only guy to score. Uh, And then last year, um, in the group stages, Tottenham put Borussia Dortmund to the sword twice. So um, I'm actually liking this, even though, you know, Tottenham has their share of injury problems, but I think they'll probably play... Uh, Sonny and Lucas Mora up front. And uh, there's been rumors. There's been rumors out there. In fact, Danny Freisinger, who is a Tottenham fan into his third year now, I think, he just said, when's Harry coming back? And I said, he says he might come back for Dortmund. So we'll see, Dan. That's five days from now. I, I don't think that's very likely. But yeah, especially with the Premier League still up for grabs, mm-hmm. and Tottenham still may have a say yeah. in that. And we'll get into their road. There's an mm-hmm. interesting piece on ESPN about the six matches to watch throughout the course of the remainder of the Premier League schedule. Uh, the final match before we... When we'll break down the other ones next week here on Golasso Supremo, Ajax, uh, the Dutch team, making mm-hmm. a return to the Champions League knockout stages against Real Madrid. Is this too tough a task for the Dutch? Uh, I think so. And the funny thing is about Ajax, too, is that, I mean, you, you talk about La Masia at Barcelona. There's nothing like the Ajax school. I mean, you can just look at Tottenham right now. Christian Eriksen, Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, Davinson Sanchez. Ajax, I mean, John O'Brien from America. Ajax puts those. I One time I got to sit down with Rud Hullet for an hour. You talk about having a great time interviewing somebody. He's one of those guys that was not an <laughs> Ajax guy. Um but they, they, I love the fact that they have such a great school, but they, they were more of a selling team. I remember being in um, Europe in 96 when they opened the Amsterdam Arena, and I thought that would be the phase where Ajax was kind of going to step up and get back to their former pedigree. The thing I loved about the Amsterdam Stadium, by the way, is they have a waterless moat to keep fans off the field. It's a dry moat. So if you try to jump in, you dive down 10 feet into cement. And then you're just standing down there. That's kind of an ingenious, humane way. It's better than like concertina wire. Especially if you can then flood the moat and make the person who's in there <laughs> basically fight for their life. Yes. And I, and I think Liverpool, Bayern Munich, I mean, that one is a really mouthwatering affair as well. If you talk about two teams, both with five European Cups, and you think about Lewandowski leading the competition in goals, and you got Klopp going back to his home country, that's going to be huge. And everyone in England will be rooting for Bayern Munich. That's that. coming up in 12 days. So uh, in our next edition well, we'll do that of, on the Gal- next time, yes. of Golasso Supremo, mm-hmm. before you give away all your good nuggets, because now I'm stealing Lewandowski yeah. and, uh, and his scoring prowess <laughs> in Europe. The best, and, uh, the best Polish player since uh, probably Boniak. I was going to go with Lech Walesa, but I'm not sure uh, oh, if he had much of a left Perestroika. Foot. Yes. <laughs> How about Carol Waitiwa, former goalie who went on to become Pope, Paul, Pope John Paul II? I prefer the shallow end when it comes to Polish footballers. Not, <laughs> not out here where the, the big sharks are swimming. Golasso Supremo here, Rick Tittle gotcha. and Dan Dibley as we break down the world of soccer. And I have a messy story, too, I thought, because this is sto- it's story time. Should we, we go story have. time now? And well, then... I don't know. You, you're in charge. I no, just was wondering. Because we're do... talking Champions League. I was hoping to maybe tease the messy story because it's a great one. All right. Coming up in three minutes. That sounds about right. Okay. Probably more like six, but we'll say coming three. Coming up and in... That way we'll hold them through the non-break. It's the oldest trick in the book. Keep them all strung out. Let's yeah. talk about this Premier League race, Rick, yeah. because 
It's gotten interesting. Liverpool had an opportunity to go up seven around uh, Boxing Day and failed to do so. And now you look at the at the table, and it's Man City on top. Flat on points, but goal differential favoring the citizens. And you look at the odds makers who are now favoring Man City as well. Is it over for Jurgen Klopp's side, or is this thing really up for grabs between the two and maybe even the three if you throw Tottenham in there? Honestly, I don't even think it's up for grabs. I think this is Liverpool's. That was a little hiccup. They they're going to be getting a lot healthy here lately. They're um, the Tottenham is not going to win the league. I just it's never happened in my lifetime. Um, they're they should really put everything they can into this last cup they're alive in, which is of course the biggest of all, the European Cup. I, I think Liverpool. Uh, listen, it's the Premier League, so you're never going to cruise to a title, but um, I, I don't think Man City is ever going to get closer than three points. I don't even think it's going to get tied at any point. I think this is Liverpool's, and we're in February, so it might be a, a fool's errand when we have, what, 17, 18 games left, but uh, I just think this is Liverpool's season. Well, if you look at it, and Liverpool with a game in hand right now, so ostensibly, if this was bowling, they'd be up by three points, because mm. you assume the strike. <laughs> Always, you know, when you're doing bowling scoring, you assume that the pro would get the strike, and that's how they figure out plus 10, minus 10, etc. Nice. Liverpool still has a February 24th trip to Old Trafford to take on United. And as we mentioned earlier, United a rejuvenated side, a side that I don't believe has lost since the, the change at manager. So not an easy one for Liverpool, especially considering their form has been a little bit erratic over the past couple of fixtures. The thing I love about the Premier League is you'll look down the fixtures and you'll see when you play Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham, Liverpool, Man United, you'll see those things, uh-oh. But, I mean, look, you're going to be playing uh, Bournemouth, or you're going to be playing Burnley, or you're going to, you know, and, and you can't take your eyes off the prize. You'll be playing Cardiff City. That's the thing I love about this league, is you think, oh, we got five easy ones in a row, and then you find yourself down 1-0 praying for a draw in injury time. And that's the thing that I love about this league, sports in general, but especially about this Fantastic league with just 20 teams. March 16th, we do have the Manchester Derby, which is probably the second greatest, maybe the third greatest soccer rivalry currently right now. You, you'd have to go, obviously, Barcelona, Real, I think, and we'll get into the Copa del Rey and the, uh, the draw on the first leg of that coming up. And if you really want to be off the beaten path, you might go, what, Boca Juniors, River Plate yeah. as one of the... You, the all-time great rivalries. But I think this one, the Manchester Derby, has got to rank pretty close to the top. It's huge, as is the Merseyside Derby, because you remember Goodison and, and um, Anfield are both in the same park. Can we leave that? I cannot. It's so, have, so basically, Golden Gate Park, yeah. you've got the soccer fields down at Lake Chalet, <laughs> right. and if you threw a team at Sharon Meadow, very nice. they're basically that far apart, right? So one at Keysar. One at the polo field. You think about how in Italy everybody shares stadia, like the Stadio Olimpico, Roma Lazio, and they hate each other. The Stadio delle Alpi, which used to be Turin and Juventi. The Stadio Giuseppe Ferrari, uh, which was people could Sampdoria. Did that. That was so beautiful. <laughs> Abondanza, Chef Boyardi. Fingers and, and thumbs together. You have to. Prego, prego. Imbecile, testa ragazzo. But I think when I think about great rivalries, too, you, you mentioned some of the classics, the old firm. Because when you think about Rangers and Celtic, you're talking literally Protestants versus Catholics, which yeah. I think is the most harebrained, stupid thing ever, that if you're Catholic, you have to root for Celtic, and if you're Protestant, you have to root for Rangers. Interesting, because I went... Sectarian. I went there probably about 15 years ago now, and I just randomly bought a jersey for my son, 
And we lean more toward Catholic than we do Protestant, although we are neither. And so looking back at it now, I actually made the right choice because I got him a Celtic jersey. You got him the hoops? Yeah. Well, this is the thing for me. I remember thinking this was years ago when Rangers were in Europe every year. I liked uh, Glasgow Rangers. I never really liked Celtic. But the thing about Parkhead and Ibrox. But I thought, well, I'm Catholic, so I would have to root for the team I don't like. So it's just it's or else <laughs> or else your elevator's going. Down. I'd have to go in there and what are you? I'm a Calvinist and like okay, we'll let you live. It's kind of dumb. So Manchester Derby, March 16th. Do you think that that will have any ramifications on the title race, or do you think at that point Liverpool should be safe enough and clear to make that uh, nothing more than just a good rivalry? I don't think they'll be clear by then, but I think what Man United could do is kill off the citizens in that game. That would be exciting. The sky blues. March 31st, you've got Liverpool hosting Spurs, which it would be great if Tottenham still was within, let's say, even six points at that point to where you get the three at Anfield and all of a sudden you're back in it. And if City's only sitting three back, that fixture March 31st could be true Premier League March Madness. It could be, but I I think there'd probably be a late Stan Collymore goal with Kevin Keegan. I would love it. I would absolutely love it if they win the league. It could be something like that. But um, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But yes, yeah, yeah. these are some of the fixtures that are going to be massive once in a lifetime things until Wednesday and then until Sunday. Right. This is what I love. Right. I love about this sport. And it's the beauty because Liverpool could be clear by nine on April 13th when they host Chelsea. And then just one week later, it's Tottenham at the Etihad to take on City. So in my dream scenario, and we got the messy story coming up in, in just mere moments, but in my dream scenario, both of those matches would matter immensely for the title race. I, I agree with you. And the other thing is, I thought I would, I just remember this. I was a guest on a show, um, a radio, a soccer radio show with two Liverpool fans, both from England. And uh, they were asking me a lot of Tottenham questions. And they're asking me about uh, Fernando Llorente. And I said, yeah, he's, he's over the hill. He's stiff. He's, he's pretty useless. Every once in a while, if you put it right on his head, he, may, he might score. And the guy came back with one of my favorite comments. Ever. No, the Scousers, so they talk like this. Everything ends in a question. <laughs> and he's like, Fernando Llorente, he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. <laughs> with a banjo. I just love the visual. Of hit, throwing a banjo at a cow's ass. Hitting a cow's ass with a banjo. Yeah. yeah. It's just, that's a great, that's why we love them over there in Blighty, don't we? We sure do. Yes. Well, Rick <laughs> Tittle, we know, is a man of mystery. He's well-traveled, and he's seen the beautiful game in a variety of locales. But not only that, he has rubbed elbows, literally had his elbow bump another man's elbow <laughs> at such great levels that we have to have him share the tales. You and Leo Messi, please. All right, so this was, man, maybe nine, ten years ago, maybe. Uh, This is when Barcelona came to play at Candlestick Park in a friendly, and they brought Messi. And this was the day that they let this, um, it was a Mexican food company. They decided to let them deal with the tickets, and no one could get in even by halftime. It was a disaster. My wife, by the way, was at this game with our eldest son, and was accused of cutting in line after, I mean, the lines were unbelievable. They were hour long and people were mess. downright um, going through revolution on the outside. The only time my son, Quest, by the way, ever went to Candlestick was for this game. And he probably thinks, tear it down, and they did. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Quest. So, <laughs> so anyway, a couple of days before, they're staying at the Hotel Intercontinental on Howard, and they had a press conference. 
And it was with Pep Guardiola, who was the skipper, and, and Lionel Messi. And they brought all three cups. They had the Champions League trophy. They had the European Cup. They had the La Liga trophy. And they had the Copa del Rey, the King's Cup. All three cups right there. Not a lot of people at this press conference. But I asked Lionel Messi a question. And I said, now that Samuel Eto'o has left and Zlatan Ibrahimovic is coming in, how does this change your game or does it? Now, as being a native Californian, I'm used to Mexican Spanish, right? El ganador este partido entre Dinamarca y Alemania juego Inglaterra, that type of thing. Yeah. Well, he's going to start speaking Argentine soccer. Of course, like the L's aren't like, you don't say Gallegos, you say Gachegos. Mm -hmm. So he's like, mumbling. I'm like, what? I understand Casa de Pepe, Donde Esta, Casa sure. de He's like, mm -hmm. So I didn't even know what he said. Um, but anyway, that, that wouldn't be worth the story there. Here's where the story begins. Whew. They said, everyone line up here for a parking pass. And I go, oh, I'm going to Candlestick. I'm going to need a parking pass. And I thought, ah, I'll get it later. I go over to the elevator by myself. As the door is closing, Lionel Messi gets in with me. We're riding down the elevator. No bodyguards. We're riding down the elevator together. Six foot three, Rick Tittle. Five <laughs> foot five, Leo Messi. Five foot three. Really? He was a little teeny the flea. tiny guy. Yeah, exactly. Which translates to what in Spanish? <laughs> um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, pulga. But, okay. Alameda de las Pulgas. Oh, wow. Yes, the Look fleas. Yes. Shout out San Mateo. So um, we're riding down the elevator, and I'm thinking, this is really weird. So... Outside the, ho the Inter Intercontinental Hotel, there are a million fans, mostly of uh, Hispanic heritage. Wait, they love Barcelona, and of course they love Messi. So we walk out onto Howard Street. We start walking sort of towards, you know, the, the Metreon, like that way. Lionel and I, my buddy, we're walking side by side down the street. And now I, I have at least a little bit of a glimpse of what it's like to be a Hollywood star with people fawning over you. Right. Because there were at least 100 people running backwards with the biggest smiles on. They can't believe what they're seeing. It's Rick Tittle, <laughs> for God's sake. So we're walking down the street, and people are thrusting things for him to sign. And he will sign something. He'll put his hands in his pockets, look straight down, and keep walking. And then someone will put a ball in his face, and he'd sign it, and he'd try to ignore it. And these two women came up to me. And they said, what on earth is going on? And I said, that's the most famous soccer player in the world. And they went, oh. And then, <laughs> oh. so he turned, we went about three blocks. He went one way. I went towards BART, towards Market. But all I could think of was he told his bodyguards, leave me alone. I need to get some air. And they're like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't tell me what to do or whatever. Maybe it was just right. a glance that said that. And, he, and I rode the elevator down with him, and I walked a couple of blocks. That was my brush with Leo Messi. That's pretty cool because, like you say, you get a sense for that level of unbelievable celebrity, global celebrity, where people, it's not even like, oh, there's somebody famous. Let me go over there and see if I can get a picture with him or whatever. It's this person's going to be there, so I'm going to premeditatively plan my day around the possibility that he might be escorted by some random six foot four radio host down the street, and I might be able I just to get grew some. An inch. Yeah, six five by the time the podcast is over. But maybe I might get some sort of, you know, random brush with fame. Right, and then he's right in front of your face. So that, I thought that was uh, that's my Leo Messi Leo Messi story. That's a great story. Thank you. I enjoyed it, and it's uh, seeing somebody of that of that magnitude. I saw Anna Kornikova mm. back when she was at the peak of her 
powers, which included, I think, one WTA Tour victory, but that's neither here nor there. She was playing at the Bank of the West, and I was in a similar situation with her, and you could see people just like almost crashing their cars as they were driving down in Stanford, seeing her walk down the street. They couldn't believe it was like the reverse Medusa effect. Once again, I'm going to ruin one of your stories because I'm going to one-up you on that. You are kind of a one-upper. <laughs> oh, so you guys had now dinner I'm later six, that six. night, right? No, um, I actually emceed an event that they had in Strawberry in Marin for her. And so she came on my show in person and then on the mic. And then number she goes, hey, Rick, are you having fun? And put her arm around me. Oh, jeez. I know. My friend was in the crowd and he was in love with her. And he said, seeing her touch you, that's all I need. <laughs> that, and I went, no, no, no. That's he, a little weird. And he goes, that's all I need. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. So say something else and then I'll one up that. I'll be Penelope. Christian Wiggs character. My dad, he's the president of Mars. Nice. I'll tee you up for some, some Wembley talk because okay. Tottenham has confirmed that the game against Arsenal, which I believe will come up uh, Wednesday, the 13th, that game now also will be at Wembley because the new home at White Hart Lane, not yet done. Tell me about construction overrides and the disappointed Spurs fan base as they are relegated, quote-unquote, to Wembley yet Never again. use the R word. <laughs> um, oh, you're safe. They should just, they should just, you know, say, look, it's not ready yet. I know they had a Super Bowl party there and people watched on the big screens. Harry Kane, by the way, flew to Atlanta. He was in a, a luxury box there wearing his Tom Brady jersey. He's a huge New England fan. And I don't blame him. He's from old England, so he can root for New England. Um, but listen, I remember the tragedy at Miller Park when the Brewers opened it and, and construction workers died. Let's just wait till it's ready. And and the whole thing about maybe it's this week, maybe it's next week. We've been doing that almost for a year now as Tottenham fans. I just wish they would say, look, opening day next season, that's when it will be ready. If it if it's ready before that, but it's just almost like people are sort of getting in to let themselves down over and over again. Yeah, and it's disappointing. <laughs> you do want it open, but obviously you want safety to be at the forefront of whenever the White Hart Lane ground opens again as we look at the premier league standings and we'll talk copa del rey and uh an interesting wrinkle in the classico they'll play twice in four days coming up at the end of february but premier league at the bottom you see yeah. cardiff in the relegation zone two behind burnley fulham is seven points away from being safe and huddersfield with 11 points so are we going to miss out on some of the unique drama that comes with relegation or the fact that really there are you know, you've got Palace with 26, Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley with 24, Cardiff 22, really five. And if you throw Brighton in there too, six teams trying to avoid one spot. Is there drama in that? There's usually one team that's down by Christmas. And unfortunately, it's the Terriers. Huddersfield is down. Uh, and then you get the drama, you know, and as you said, I mean, you can probably draw a line anywhere, maybe in the, the last 10. I mean, I know Everton fans who don't feel safe right now. It used to be once you got 40 points, you were safe. Now people say, I, I need 50 points before I can Well, feel only safe. six teams have 40. The Wolves are seventh with 38, and you mentioned Everton with 33. They're ninth. They are 11 points clear with you know, 12 fixtures left to go. You would figure that would be safe. But like you said, there's a, just an absolute mishmash of teams between Watford at eighth down to Cardiff at 18th. It's it's a belief thing, too. I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, Newcastle, who were already relegated on the last day of the season, beat Tottenham 5-1. Beat 
because Tottenham were upset that they didn't get into the Champions League, and Newcastle's like, woohoo, we're in the Premier League one more day. It's kind of like a consolation game in a World Cup. I don't think these teams have the the kind of quality, um, and it's mostly you can say, you know, what's their? Uh, uh, do they have that rapier? point at the at the vanguard of their attack it's mostly they bleed goals how many goals do they ship a game they ship like three goals a game how are they possibly going to stay up yeah it's nearly (laughs) impossible and you look at league one tell me if any of these teams strike your fancy uh luton with 65 points they're they're seven clear right now of portsmouth barnsley with 59 so right now it'd be luton and barnsley i can't recall either team being in the premier league of recent vintage luton town used to be in the top flight uh, when I was a fan, and I've actually been to Kenilworth Road in Luton. They used to have the plastic pitch, which we would call artificial turf. They actually had a plastic pitch. They had a plastic pitch. A lot of teams did. Kingsley Black was their star player. The Stanley Markham Stan, one of the most famous comedians in England. He was a huge Luton Town. They're called the Hatters because that's where they used to make the hats, Dan. It's been a while for Luton Town. I will say this for Luton Town glory. Sweden 92, and uh, here you had... Um, uh, France about to knock out Denmark. And it was Ebby Sand, the Danish striker from Luton Town. Wow. Winning it at the end for the Danes. <laughs> There's my Luton Town. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Barnsley, as I mentioned, second. And uh, the playoff right now would be Portsmouth, Sunderland looking for a return, Charlton, and Peterborough. Well, all those teams except the Posh have been in the top flight. Of course, Peterborough, the Posh. And um, Charlton Athletic, a London team. Who would who could forget Clive Mendonca's five goals at Highbury? I never will. Yes, or I was about to call them. Uh, what they call them in Monty Python? Uh, Charlton Heston Athletic. They used to do that too. It's a little a little joke. Uh, who were the other teams you said there? Uh, also <laughs> looking to go in Charlton Sunderland. Oh yeah, who was uh, in the Premier League? I think three or four seasons ago. Yeah, I love that every team has two nicknames. They're the Mackums because we mack them, you tack them, and they're also the Black Cats. Oh wow, the Black Cats, Black. Pool <laughs> Rovers, not Blackburn Rovers. Blackpool yes. is currently eighth. Coventry also in the middle. Mm. Wimbledon down at the bottom, looking at relegation to League Two. AFC Wimbledon, yes. Wimbledon is now MK Dons, but yes, that's the thing too about Blackpool. They, Sir Stanley Matthews. If you were in the fifties, Blackpool was the team. They, of course, are the seaside resort with the fake Eiffel Tower, and maybe three days a year, it's warm enough to swim. Rick Tittle, Dan Dibley, it is Golasso Supremo, and uh, we're bringing it to you. All of the soccer action from around the world, and we will get into some Major League Soccer as the season approaches, but Rick, Copa del Rey, you had a nice matchup there between Real Madrid, Barcelona, playing to a 1-1 draw. How much more motivated would Real be knowing that they pretty much have no chance in La Liga? Well, it's a huge thing to lift your domestic cup, your top. Most just have one domestic cup, and the Copa del Rey is a, that'd be a huge thing. That's silverware. And now, if you think about the Galacticos and their stadium of light, I mean, you walk in and it's like the Versailles and the Hall of Mirrors with all their silverware. But the fact that you get that silverware at the expense of your bitter, bitter rivals. I mean, I think about the guys who have played for both teams, the Luis Figos and the Michael Laudrups. They used to say it was impossible to do that, but it is almost impossible, actually, to do that. I mean, you think about just the rivalry in Barcelona. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino, of course, who played for Espanyol, was the manager of Espanyol, said he would never even consider managing Barcelona. That, by the way, if you're in Barcelona, you're a Barcelona fan, and then if you're the working man, Espanyol. Gotcha. And the other (laughs) side is uh, Real Batiste and Valencia. 
Of course, the second leg of these will be end of February. And as I mentioned, Real Madrid will host Barcelona. And then just four days later, they will play in La Liga in the true Clasico. So how might you imagine they set up each of those matches accordingly? I think they go for it in both of those. Absolutely. At this point of the season, I think they, they go completely all out for it. It's, it's a blood feud. Real Batiste, by the way, a Basque team. Our old buddy Tab Ramos uh, once played for uh, Real Batiste back in the day. Thought I'd throw that in. A little shout-out to Tab, who is part of the United States national team setup. Yeah, and the U.S. Uh, national team with a couple of nice wins here in friendly season. They look good down at Avaya. Mm-hmm. So something we can kick around uh, next week. One more note here, Rick, before we step aside. The FA Cup. We had some interesting action as we get down, I believe, to the final 16 teams. And those matches will come up next week about this time. Any thoughts on that? Chelsea and Man U is probably the the headline match coming up on February 18th. I like that one because it to me, and this is, you know, as a Tottenham fan, if they were in it, I would love it, obviously. But a Chelsea Man U final is a snoozer just because it's just two big clubs. I like it when one of the minnows can find their way in there. And I love the fact that with Chelsea and Man United, one of those teams is going to get knocked out. So I like that. Right now, you've got uh, a grand total of nine minnows, quote-unquote, remaining of the 16. You've got QPR and Watford. Brighton takes on Minnow, Derby County. AFC Wimbledon against Millwall. You've got Newport County and Man City. Well, Man City's been laying waste to the competition in the FA Cup. Bristol City and Wolves. Doncaster Rovers and Crystal Palace. Donnie. The old Donnies. You know what? The Swans, my beloved Swans. Yeah, you love them. Going up against Brentford and then Chelsea Manu, as mentioned. I always think of the Battle of Brentford, Boudicca versus Claudius Caesar, don't you? Or you think about Brentwood out maybe by Antioch. I think about Antioch first, but then I think about uh, that battle. Caesar was like minus 700 in that one. That was a pretty big upset, as I recall. Millwall, you know their nickname, Mill Brawl, at the old den. Oh, because they're the Lions, so they played in the Lions' den. It's another London club like QPR, like you were mentioning. Um, They used to be known for the worst of the hooligans. Uh, Casey Keller actually played at the old den when he first came over to England, but uh, especially talk to a lot of Irish guys. If you're from Ireland, you're either a Liverpool fan because it's literally across the Irish Sea. Right, right. Or there's something about Millwall that really speaks to them. But their most famous players like uh, Teddy Sheringham, Tony Cascarino, those guys... You basically go to, to a Millwall f- uh, game to brawl. Mill brawl. Um, I actually walked by that stadium. Didn't go in. No. <laughs> this is why I didn't get jacked up, probably. Right. Didn't yeah. bring your uh, your boxing gloves that day. <laughs> no. Probably a smart choice. Didn't bring my chain mail. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm. Or your uh, your lance or your sword, but so this to is, speak. This is the thing I love, Dan, is that, you know, as Americans, you and I, we love American sports. But we have 32 football teams, right? It, soccer teams, there's hundreds, and each one is like a sovereign state history book worth of great. I mean, and and to this day, even though I've immersed myself in this since the '80s, every day I learn something new. It just it's it's the sport that never keeps educating or pulling surprises on us. And then you educate me every time we do this podcast, Rick. So thank you and Godspeed. And on that note, number five is in the books, Dan, as always. Yes, I had a big send-off, but you stepped on it last week. So uh, at this point, we'll just let silence be our goodbye. (laughs) This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.